is week number four of the Naturals Offseason podcast, recorded on Wednesday, November 9th, 2016. I'm Benjamin Kelly. Coming up on this edition, right-handed pitcher Josh Stalman has been shredding the Arizona Fall League, and he joins us later on the podcast. But first, let's take a look at one of the most exciting fall classics in recent memory. Well, in case you missed it, the Cubs broke the curse of 108 years. All my buddies that are Cubs fans can say they've lived to see at least one World Series championship, despite the Indians' best effort not to blow a three games to one lead. Trailing 5-3 to three in the bottom of the eighth inning after Brandon Geyer laced a double off Araldis Chapman, he trotted home on a great at-bat by Rajay Davis that ended like this. And I'm not trying to sound like your fairy godmother, but again, because Chapman throws so hard, if you can square up a fastball, he'll provide the juice, and it'll jump out of here tonight. What an at-bat by Davis. Swung on, line to deep left field. It is gone! You should see the celebration out of the Indians' third base dugout, Rajay Davis. That call by the great Indians broadcaster, Tom Hamilton, courtesy of Major League Baseball and WTAMAM Cleveland. Of course, the Cubs went on to win the game and the World Series after a 17-minute rain delay, the now legendary pep talk by Jason Hayward in the weight room during the delay, and Chicago figured out a way to win. But after that Davis home run, I couldn't believe how much I was pulling for the Indians. I wanted to see the Cubs blow it because, well, it's they're the Cubs. It's almost more fun that way. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy for my friends, happy for the city of Chicago, having spent some time there after college living in Chicagoland. Wrigleyville is a great place uh, when the Cubs are home to go see a ball game and just be around. Wrigley Field is a spectacle of its own something I think every, everybody should experience. The bleachers are one of a kind. It's a very intimate setting. I can remember having seats right next to the visiting bullpen and within arm's reach of Adam Wainwright warming for St. Louis that day. Uh, you don't get that experience in many ballparks, but as happy as I am for Chicago, Cleveland, man, oh man, I feel terrible for those guys. This is why I wanted Cleveland to win. The Indians have lost two World Series in the last 20 years in extra innings. They've been in three since 1995, coming up empty in each of them. All Cub fans say, oh, we're cursed, the Billy Goat, Bartman, so on and so forth. Well, what about the Indians? I'm not sure if they're cursed. I'm not sure what you would call the curse if they were, but boy, I think that might have been Cleveland's best shot to win it all. The Cubs will be back. They've got that young core group, and it looks like they're all poised to stick together But the Indians, I'm not so sure about. We'll have to wait and see. We could talk all day about Game 7 and the World Series, but before we get back to the Naturals, I found an article on, of all places, WGNTV.com. Of course, WGN Radio is the former home for the Cubs. And reports said that Major League Baseball will be destroying the Cleveland Indians championship gear, not donating it like they have in years past. The article read... Quote, usually merchandise of the losing team of any major sports championship is donated to World Vision, a Christian nonprofit that fights poverty around the world. This year, Major League Baseball has told the Huffington Post that it plans on destroying the paraphernalia made to sell if the Indians were to win the 2016 World Series. Quote, in past years, we have used World Vision, but we have moved our policy to destroying the merchandise, said MLB's Matt Bourne. He told the Huffington Post that, 
The reason is to protect the team from inaccurate merchandise being available or visible in the general marketplace. So, if you were hoping to snag some unique and incorrect gear, sounds like you're too late. Former natural Mike Montgomery earned the save in, final, in the final game of the World Series in relief of Carl Edwards Jr. and that's the final out of Game 7. He appeared in five of the seven World Series games and allowed a run on four hits over four and two-third innings, calculating out to a 1-9-3 ERA in the Fall Classic. Pretty good for a former natural. <laughs> Moving into the Arizona Fall League action. Well, the 11th annual Arizona Fall League Fall Star Game took place on Saturday, November 5th, and Ryan O'Hearn was the lone Royals representative in the contest. O'Hearn DH and hit six in the order for the West All-Stars and finished one for one with a pair of walks and three runs scored in the West 12-4 win over the East. Since the game, O'Hearn's bat has not cooled off. The big man ranks third in the Fall League in batting average with a 362 clip and ranks second in on-base percentage with a 464 average. He has collected two or more hits in six of his last ten games and has doubled in four of his last six contests as well. One guy that we haven't spoken too much about this fall league season is Mauricio Ramos. He's a taxi squad player, so that means he's limited to just two games a week, but he made the most of his latest game on Tuesday, November the 8th, and finished two for five with a double and a run scored. Ramos is hitting 214 in 11 games with a homer and five RBIs and three doubles for a surprise. Right-hander Josh Stalmont currently ranks third in the league in strikeouts with 23 over 20 innings, despite his struggles in his latest fall league start. Stalmont just went one and two-third innings and walked a season-high four batters and took the loss on November the 8th, but overall it's been a great experience for the 22-year-old. We'll hear more from Josh later on the podcast, and don't forget, for a full rundown of the Royals in the Fall League, make sure you check out the video version of this podcast, which you can find on our website, nwanaturals.com, or on our social media platforms. In Dominican Winter League play, Ramon Torres still is the league leader in average, and it's not even close. Torres is hitting 390 through his first 14 games for Los Gigantes del Ceballo, 46 points higher than that of Boog Powell, who is second. He's hitting so well, his manager Bobby Dickerson dropped him down to third in the order, and it worked. Torres homer drove in three and scored twice in a two-for-four day on Tuesday, November the 8th. Pretty impressive stuff for Ramon, the switch-hitting middle infielder. Los Tigres del Lice celebrated the team's 109th birthday earlier this week, and plenty of former naturals got to experience a celebration. Jorge Bonifacio's bat has picked up as of late, ranking ninth in the Dominican League and average with a 279 clip. He's got five hits over his last three games, and in case you missed it, Dayton Moore came out earlier this week, Dayton Moore, the GM of Kansas City, and he said that the Royals would look internally to fill the vacancy in right field and not look so much into free agency. Bonifacio, along with Hunter Dozier, were two names mentioned by Moore as possible candidates for right field. Bonifacio hit 277 this season with AAA Omaha and finished fifth in the league in RBIs with 86, and he also tied for second in the league with most outfield assists. He had 17 of those. So keep an eye on those two and Bonifacio in spring training when it rolls around in February. 
Raul Mondesi made his Lise debut on November the 2nd and has played in five games thus far, batting 214 with a double and three RBIs. But I read earlier this week that his manager, Pat Kelly, notes that even with the addition of Mondesi, the defense has already improved. So no surprise there from Naturals fans and Royals fans. They have seen what that glove can do. On the pitching side of things for Lise, left-hander Jonathan Zizek and right-hander Luke Farrell are proving to be quite the tandem for Los Tigres. J.J. currently ranks second in the league in ERA, having allowed just one earned run over 14 and a third innings, boasting a 2-0 record with 10 strikeouts. Farrell is right behind J.J. in ERA with a 1.29 earned run average in three starts. Farrell has seven strikeouts over 14 innings of work. I'm sure you remember how good that duo was in Northwest Arkansas during 2015. Left-hander Daniel Stump has worked three straight scoreless outings for Los Toros del Este, including two-thirds of an inning on Tuesday the 8th to earn his first win of the Dominican League season. Through seven appearances, the humble Texas native has allowed a run on three hits with three strikeouts over five and a third innings. That's a look at the latest from the Dominican League. Here's what's happening with some naturals in Venezuela. Right-hander Yender Caramo continues to work out of the bullpen for Magallanes, having appeared in five games, posting a 4.05 ERA. Yender's ERA spiked because he allowed two runs over two hits over a two-thirds of an inning. On November the 4th, he has not appeared in a game since. Outfielder Carlos Garcia had three hits, four RBIs, and a pair of doubles on November 6th, bumping his off-season average to 3.25 in 13 games. Garcia has 10 RBIs, two doubles, and a triple for Los Bravos de Margarita. The great Balbino Fuenmayor is back in Venezuela and back in winter ball. The 27-year-old made his debut for Los Caribes and went 3-for-4 with an RBI on November the 3rd in game one of a doubleheader. Fuenmayor, who will be 28 at the end of the month, is 6-for-17 in his first five games with a homer and five runs batted in. Let's move on to Puerto Rico. Jack Lopez continues his terrific start in Puerto Rico, playing for Los Tibarones del Aguadilla, and still leads the league in batting. Through seven games this season, Lopez is 12 for 26. That's a 462 average with a 500 on base percentage. He went three for five on Saturday in his team's first win of the season. Coming up next, Josh Dalmont joins us from Arizona and talks about his fall league season. Stay with us. for Season 10 of Naturals Baseball are on sale now. Want to catch all the fireworks at our best ballpark? We have a mini pack for that. You like your Thirsty Thursdays? So do we. You can get a pack of tickets for that too. You get to guarantee your same great seat for every game. You get two meet and greets with autographs and pictures and much more. So call us at 479-927-4900 to get it set up today.
Josh Dalmont is a second round pick of the Royals from 2015 out of Azusa Pacific University. He opened 2016 with Wilmington in high A ball, but finished it right here at Arvest Ballpark. He's one of eight Royals representatives in the Fall League, and he joins us now from Surprise. And Josh, first off, before we jump into the Fall League, this is really the first chance we've had to talk about the last game of the regular season and the postseason with the Naturals. Now, the last game of the season, Northwest Arkansas needed a win to get to the playoffs. You were sent to the mound. You did it setting a franchise-best 12 strikeouts en route to beating Arkansas that day. Then you pitched in a deciding game against Springfield, six shutout innings, and then Game 3 of the championship series and earned the win to stave off elimination. I imagine you can't quantify the adrenaline, but what was it like pitching in those stretch of games? I mean, first off, it's good to talk to you since, uh, since the end of the year, but uh, it, it, was, it was huge to be being able to throw in those games and, uh, and being able to show that... Uh, I, I, I can pitch in, in those situations, and that uh, it really doesn't doesn't affect negatively any of uh, any of the way I pitch. So it was really nice to kind of go out there and, and have those three games uh, in front of my belt as an experience, most of all. Now, do you think it's easier to pitch with more on the line, or would you rather just have it be a mid-season start? You know what? I uh, I think it's it's easier to pitch when there's a lot on the line, only because the other team is putting just as much importance on it. So recognizing that. Um, you have to kind of capitalize on the fact that you have to be able to calm yourself down more than more than they are, uh, which allows, I mean, allows you to just in pitching in baseball in general is, is something that is way easier done uh, in a calm atmosphere rather than that amped up one. So being able to calm yourself down in those games is a huge uh, benefit. Now, while you were at Wilmington, the numbers weren't very great, but in no time, you were as dominant as any pitcher in the Texas League. So what was the big difference? I mean, the biggest difference between AA and high A was seeming to get walks. Um, that can be attributed to a couple different things. The hitters in AA are way more confident and way better hitters than, than high A. And I don't mean better in the sense of they have more talent, but they have more experience by far. Um, and what that means is they're putting more balls in play. They're, hit, they're, they're hitting pitches. They want. So what happens on a 2-0 count? If I throw a good pitch, they're going to they're make contact and put it in play rather than high A, watching it to, to go 2-1 and possibly bring that count even longer. So uh, they don't see as many pitches. There's a lot better receiving behind the plate and plays made behind me in the field, and that, and that makes my job way easier. Now, I remember when you first got here, I was chatting with pitching coach Steve Luber, and he talked a lot about your mechanics, and, and one thing in particular, just trying to get the ball out of your glove in a more timely fashion. So can you just kind of break down exactly what that means? Yeah, of course. I mean, baseball is so simple yet so complicated at the same time. So what happens with a lot of guys is that there's one thing that usually leads to a litany of problems um, in their delivery, and it can all be usually brought back to one specific instance or poor issue. Um, for me, it was all kind of deriving from the very, very beginning uh, of my delivery where as soon as my leg goes up, you get the ball out of your glove and go. And what happens is when a pitcher starts to leap forward in their delivery after they've lifted their leg without getting the ball separated, their arm needs to catch up to the front of their body because of how a baseball being thrown works. Um, if your arm is lagging behind the, the bulk of your body, what's going to happen is you're going to lose balls up arm side and high 
because your arm's dragging behind. And to compensate for that, a lot of guys yank the ball, and it's it's almost too too fast. And so the easiest way to solve that was just by getting the ball out of my glove earlier. Um, I know a lot of guys in the big leagues do it to emphasize it, like Noah Syndergaard and stuff like that. And so uh, it's uh, it was something that I noticed playing Tulsa in just one game. I mean, I, I was struggling with it early, and I I tried to overemphasize it from then on. The game the game just seemed to be a tick easier. Do you look to the other hard throwers in the big leagues, like a Noah Syndergaard or a Steven Strasburg, to see how their mechanics and their habits are on the mound, knowing that your stuff is right there with them? I mean, by, by no means am I on their level at all, but uh, I I think it's 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 foolish if you don't look to guys that are that are way better than you and try and at least model or kind of interpret what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, it's very easy to look at a guy and uh, – and imitate what he's doing, but as that's uh, familiar with baseball knows, baseball is so uh, unique and, and individualistic that uh, everybody works differently. So, and by everybody, I mean every every specific uh, man that's playing, uh, their body works differently. Um, so you don't have to be the same size, height, and everything, and you can still throw the ball just as hard as somebody else um, that may be way physically more mature or bigger than you. Um, so I think that's the hardest part about baseball, mimicking and, and imitating all the uh, on the major leagues, is that their bodies just work differently than yours, and, and you may work extremely efficiently for yours, but it's it's almost impossible to mimic them. So looking up in the major leagues um, and, and kind of taking taking everything that they have is, is – it's very hard to do, but uh, I think taking little things like watching how they get the ball out of their glove, get their fence out up, and uh, and really stay focused in the zone is, is, is a huge benefit for guys like me trying to make it up there. Right-handed pitcher Josh Dalmont joining us here on the Naturals Offseason Podcast, week number four. And, well, Josh, you're six starts into your Arizona Fall League season, third in the circuit in punch-outs with 23. And it seems that you've just carried over your final starts with the Naturals into this league What's the overall experience been like for you thus far? The fall has been great. Um, I mean, it's, it's just been uh, an incredible experience to be out here with such talented guys. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely not an easy league. And, uh, again, it's towards the end of the year, so everyone's tired. Everyone's really uh, probably about 160, 170, 180 games in now. So it's, it's really uh, it's really kind of dragging towards the end of the year. Um, but it's it's an incredible group of guys that we get to experience. I mean, there's five teams out here and 25 other teams that we're playing against and seeing each and every organization, how they work and, and each player in that organization, just, it, it really is a, it's, it's a humbling experience to say the least. How much do you welcome the challenge of facing these elite hitters start in and start out? Oh, I, I mean, I, I'll take a challenge every single day of the week uh, rather than something that's going to be an easy accomplishment. So I, I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, uh, again, it's towards the end of the year, so there's there's going to be times where you're throwing and you don't really feel as, uh, as fresh as normal. But uh, you, you really have to toss it out the window so you can have a bad out here and there and and, uh, and uh, really just understand that uh, although this league is, is very important and uh, carries a lot of weight in, in some people's eyes, uh, you, you can't let it feel that way with you. So, uh, some guys have a tough time out in this league because it's only a month, and again, it's at the end of the season. But uh, I mean, it's it's a, it's a super nice way to put into perspective how how much you you've accomplished through through your minor league career, and uh, 
potentially a, a future. Who is the best hitter that you've seen so far? Uh, so, so these guys are all, all great hitters. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's really tough to kind of put that put that into one hitter. I mean, there's uh, there's constantly guys that that impress you on swings and 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 their perception of the, the zone. Um, I man, I I. Uh, I, I couldn't give it to one guy. These uh, hitters out here are, are absolutely uh, on another level compared to uh, an average high A or double A team. Well, on the flip side of that, is there uh, a pitcher that you've seen so far, whether he's on surprise or not, that you've just said, you know what, his stuff right now could play in the big leagues? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys out here that, that, uh, that are really just about to, to take off at the next level and uh, – I mean, the, the Pirates have some guys at Santana and uh, the, the Red Sox have Kevin Kopech, who shows 105. I mean, they all have uh, really good uh, really good guys at play out here. I mean, their stuff is just electric. All right, Josh, after the season ends, what's the rest of your offseason look like? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's left of my offseason uh, <laughs> looks, like, uh, looks like a lot of time to in the gym. Uh, I mean, there's there's really not too much time, unfortunately, to uh, to go out and have very much fun this year. So uh, it's probably going to be spending mornings in the gym, a little bit of lunch, and then we're going to be heading back. So uh, it's not necessarily a, a super fun off season this year, but uh, maybe next year will be a little bit more uh, more fun. Right-hander Josh Dalmont joining us here on the Naturals Off-Season Podcast. And Josh, we wish you the best of luck this season. Thanks for taking some time, and we'll see you in spring training. Yeah, of course. Thank you. We'll wrap things up here on week number four of the Naturals Offseason Podcast right after this. head start on season 10 of naturals baseball season tickets are available now and you won't want to miss any of the fun this year remember the sooner you get them the better your seats will be for more information visit nwanaturals.com or give us a call at 479-927-4900 now let's get back to the show Well, it's time to take a look at this week's transactions. As the Royals did not re-sign a few notable players, making them free agents for the time being. The list includes first baseman Balbino Fuenmayor, infielders Irving Falou, Angel Franco, Orlando Calixte, and Dusty Coleman, outfielder Carlos Garcia, along with right-handers Benino Bruneda and Aroni Nina. They're all currently free agents. Now, this doesn't mean that the Royals won't re-sign them but they can test the waters with other teams currently. In other news, the Royals did open up a couple of more spots on the 40-man roster. On Tuesday, Kansas City announced that right-hander Dylan G and Daniel Nava, the outfielder, were outrighted to Omaha and elected to become free agents, so that now puts the roster at 37. That 40-man roster does not have to be finalized until the end of November. According to Royals beat writer Rustin Dodd, he reported on Tuesday that Royals general manager Dayton Moore said that he would like to look for both 
Hunter Dozier and Jorge Bonifacio as internal options for right field. I mentioned this early on in the podcast, but just to reiterate it, Dozier played in eight major league games this past year with the Royals, seven in right field, including five starts. Bonifacio has yet to make his big league debut, hit 277 this past season with AAA Omaha, finished fifth in the league with 86 RBIs, and had 17 outfield assists last season, tied for second most in the PCL. That will do it for this week's edition of the Naturals Offseason Podcast. We'll let you know via Twitter who we'll have next week for the show. Remember, you can tweet your questions by using the hashtag Naturals Offseason. A special thanks to Josh Stalmont for joining us this week. And remember, folks, only 148 more days until opening day. So enjoy the rest of this one. Thanks for listening.